Well, um, like Chris mentioned, we're well into the Christmas season here. How many of you wait until December 1st to pull out all the Christmas decorations and put up the tree and start playing the music? Some of you. How many of you, as soon as you get a whiff of winter, all the Christmas stuff goes off? Yes, some of you here. I, was, uh, I drove home on Friday night. I was at the um, Calgary Dream Center's Christmas banquet, and I came in uh, to the front side of my house when I usually come in the back, and I noticed my neighbor's love Christmas, and I think they bought every lawn ornament at Walmart and put it up. I think the Griswolds live across the street from me. Do we have any people like that here who just love to, like, cover the whole house in lights, all the lawn ornaments, anyone? Don't be embarrassed. I know you're out there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like I said, welcome and Merry Christmas. And um, our theme for the month here at First Assembly is God with us, Um, Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to be looking at all the different ways that through the birth of Jesus, God tells us again and again and again that he is with us. He wants to be with us. It is his plan to always be with us. So why don't we take a moment of prayer and then we're going to go look in the Bible. So, Lord God, we want to thank you again this morning for your incredible love for us. Thank you that you have called us your own. Thank you that you sent your son to us, that we could once again be in relationship with you. And I just pray this morning that as we read your word, that your spirit would give a deeper revelation to us of how incredible your love is and what the good news is that you so speak so loudly at this time of year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you want to turn to the beginning of the book of John. I love how John opens up the story um, with the coming of Christ. So why don't we read it together? We have it up for you on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. It's in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. Isn't that beautiful? The word from the very beginning, fully God, came and dwelt among us, came in the form of baby Jesus. Now, this this here is central to our belief as Christians, and sometimes it's hard to wrap our head around the mystery of it all, because in the birth of Jesus, what we're seeing is, is that in Jesus, he is one person, but has two natures. So in Jesus, we have 100% fully God and 100% fully human. It's a great mystery that God would come amongst us like this. The disciples who ate with him and walked with him and journeyed with him and um, saw all sorts of miracles happening, they witnessed his humanity every day. They knew him as human. And after the resurrection, they worshiped him as God. But in the days of the early church, over the coming decades, there was actually a a lot of theological debate around this issue. Was he more divine? Was he more human? And they're trying to figure it all out. And it took until uh, the year 451 AD, where they had a council, the Council of 
Chalcedon, I think I'm pronouncing it right, where they came together and they pondered on this issue and they came out with a statement says, we all unanimously teach that our Lord Jesus Christ is to us one and the same son, the self-same perfect in Godhead, the self-same perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man. It's such a mystery, isn't it? He is one person, but 100% God and 100% human. And sometimes I think we forget that, or we start to think that he's a mixture of things, and we try to wrap our heads around it. So I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when you're trying to overcome something, or you're, you're wrestling with something, and you think of that question, you know, what would Jesus do? And you're like, well... He was Jesus, but I'm just Sarah, so I'm going to, you know, try to overcome this. But he was Jesus. And I think sometimes we have this picture in our head that he's sort of like half man, half God, right? Or he has the body of a human, but the mind of God. Or all these different combinations thereof that he was some sort of Superman. (laughs) And we couldn't possibly live up to the life that he led. But that is actually not true. He was fully human. And he didn't have this divine trump card that he used to overcome things. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about this life that he lived that was so extraordinary in humanity and that it is actually not an unattainable life for us. So we're going to look a little bit at his humanity. And um, I think I'm going to show it. Claire's laughing at me. Yes. Claire's always trying to correct my English. In the first service, I kept calling it his humanness. But it's humanity. I've got it. (laughs) We're going to look at his humanity in all the different ways that he was one person, fully God and fully man. All right, so number one, we know that he was conceived supernaturally. But his birth was fully human. He was born of a human woman. He came out in all the messiness of human birth. Okay, so... How many of you in this room have been in a room or been the one giving birth or seeing someone give birth? Yes? You know it's not a tidy process, right? I have not been in a birthing room, but I have friends who like to tell me all the many too much information details, and I know it's a messy process. So I think sometimes in our head we have this picture of the nativity, and it's all clean and tidy and so sweet and perfect, but we need to remember that he was born of a woman in a natural way, in the messiness that is all of its glory is really human. He was born into that. And we know that the next day, we're pretty sure Mary just didn't hop right back up on that donkey and go for a ride, right? She was a human mom giving birth and all of the agony of it. And so we know that he had a human birth, even though he was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. All right, we know that he had a human body, that he got tired. Um, There's a story when he met the Samaritan woman at the well, and it it had been earlier, he had been walking along with his disciples, and he stopped at the well to rest because he was tired, and his disciples had to go get some food for him. So we know that he got tired, we know he got thirsty, we know that he got hungry. Talks about a time where he, by the spirit, went into the wilderness for 40 days fasting. I don't know about you, but I get hungry after 40 minutes of no food. So he went 40 days fasting. He's hungry. And I also really believe that Jesus got hangry. Anyone else? Anyone else experience that? There's a story. There's a story in the Bible where he's walking along and I know it doesn't mean this, but this is how I read it. He's walking along. He's really hungry and he sees a fig tree and he's super excited about even eating figs. But the tree had no figs as it's out of season and he cursed the tree and made it die. 
I think he was hangry, don't you? I think, I think that you've all experienced it. When you've driven home from work, you're really hungry, you're super excited, you open up the fridge, there's no food in the fridge, and you curse that fridge, and you say, where is my food? Somebody should have gone shopping. <laughs> hangry. Jesus was fully human in his body. Also, he had a completely human will. As a man, he had a finite human will that he actually was in sync and submissive to the divine will of God. But he had a human will, and he wrestled with it. Um, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 38, it says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And we know that before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. He said, not as I will, but as you will. He wrestled with his human will to put it into submission to the will of God. And I think we all know what that feels like, don't we? When you have to really wrestle through something, none of us like pain and suffering and going through hardships, and we wrestle, and we wrestle. And Jesus recognizes that and has experienced that as well. He had a human mind. He did not have a divine mind in him, but also a human mind. So like I said, he's fully human. Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and man. And he said, I do not know when I'm going to return the day or the time. He had a human mind. Also, he had human emotions. He, exp- he experienced all the different range of emotions that we do. He felt joy. He felt sadness. He felt sorrow. He was betrayed. He knows what that feels like. He knows what it l- looks like to have rejection. And, um, and he wept. I think, it, to me, it's one of, the most, one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible when Mary and Martha had their brother die and Jesus wept with them. And uh, so he, he knows what it means to experience all those emotions. And uh, also we know that he was tempted in all ways that humans can be tempted. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way that we are, and yet he was without sin. That is absolutely incredible. And to me, when I read that, it is, is, is something that gives me hope because we know that we, if he could overcome, we can too. <laughs> we can too. And so you, you look at that. How did he overcome sin? How did he overcome the sin? In his humanity, he overcame it by the power of the Spirit. And so it means that in his humanity, he had access to all the same resources we do and he overcame temptation. We have access to the power of the Spirit as well to overcome. So that is good news. So why is his humanity so important to this story? Why do I keep going on about how human he was? Um, I believe it is because in his humanity, he showed us how we can be fully human and live fully as God intended us to live. We are, we, he showed us how we can be fully alive and fully human. He showed us a new normal, a new normal for us, and that we can be like him. To me, this is the joy of the incarnation. To me, this is the unveiling of God's plan to restore us into the true image he created us to be. Isn't it beautiful? So in order to enact our true humanity, we must understand Jesus's true humanity. In how he lived, we too can live. And that is pretty exciting.
Don't you believe it? It's exciting. Look at all the ways and how he lived his life. And we, too, can live like he did. So let's walk through it a little bit. How did Jesus live? So he showed us how to walk with God, and that obedience stems from a relationship grounded in love. He says in John 15, verse 9 to 10, I've loved you the way my Father loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. This is one of my favorite things about Jesus. He lived a sinless life, but he was a known rule breaker. (laughs) Isn't that great? That means we get to break rules too. (laughs) So there's so many different rules, and um, he showed that it's actually not about following the rules, but about having an intimate relationship with the Father. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think it's easier to follow the rules. Like we got our list. We know this, 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 and this we're supposed to do. Check, check, check. We can pat ourselves on the back saying, look, I followed all the rules. But you know what? He pointed his finger at people like that, the religious leaders of his time, who knew how to follow all the rules, but they didn't know God and they didn't love. And he said, what is the point in all that rule following? The most important thing is to be in relationship with God and to be in his love. If you remember, there was a story of this rich young man who came to him and said, Jesus, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus He goes, Jesus, I followed all the commandments. So what do I need to do? And Jesus said, leave all your possessions behind and come follow me. And I think sometimes we look at that and thinking it's about giving up possessions. But actually what Jesus was saying to him is, it doesn't matter about following all the rules. You have to be willing to forsake it all to be submitted into this relationship with the Father. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to walk with God, not about the rules. Isn't that amazing? No rules, but relationship. And when we're in relationship with the Father, when we're grounded in his love, we obey because we love, not because we have a list of rules we have to follow. So Jesus, in his humanity, he lived this perfect life, but he broke all the rules. Yeah? He healed people on the Sabbath. He he didn't condemn people who were caught in adultery. Instead, he invited them into a new life, into a better way. It was so amazing. When you look at all the stories of people encountering Jesus, they weren't condemned for not following the rules, but they were invited into relationship, and they came away experiencing what true love actually looked like. And I think that is so incredibly encouraging, and I love being a rule breaker, so I like it. Uh, Anyone else likes breaking the rules? Yes? Am I the only one? Yeah. (laughs) Just me? Okay. (laughs) I'm a troublemaker. I know it. All right. So Jesus was always being accused of breaking the rules, but he showed people how to live in relationship with the Father. And how did he live? Well, he lived by the power of the Spirit. If we look in Luke chapter 2, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we know that when we follow and live the way Jesus lived and watch what the Father is doing and go about by the power of his spirit, we can expect to see all of those things. Anybody else want that? Yes? I know Lorna does. 
Yeah. <laughs> we can expect to see good news being proclaimed to those who are poor. We can expect to see people being set free. We can expect to see people being healed of sickness by the power of his spirit. He promised us a spirit-filled life. Did you know that when he was telling his disciples about the time that he was going to be crucified, he said, it's better for you that I go because when I go, I'm sending another, the advocate, the comforter to come for you. And so Jesus promises to us, He says, I'm going, but the Holy Spirit is coming. And we need the Holy Spirit to live this new norm that Jesus modeled us and how to live. We can participate in this life by the Holy Spirit with signs and wonderings, suffering, glory, death, and resurrection. Yes? And resurrection. All of these things are promised to us. God is healing us. We are practicing for our future destiny now. His kingdom is coming now, and we get to participate in it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that it's wonderful, and it's costly, but it's the only way to be. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live what a normal life looks like in Canada. I don't want to have my days go by where I get up, I'm in a rush as usual because I've hit the snooze button too many times, and I have to go racing up Deerfoot to get to the office, to get through my list of tasks that have to get done. I leave the office frustrated because I didn't get all my tasks done. I go racing home, I get hangry because there's no food in the fridge, and then the day's over. (laughs) That's what life looks like for so many people, right? Rush, 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 busy, busy, busy. That's the normal life. But this life that Christ modeled for us, this life that we now have access to by the power of his spirit. Do you know what that day could look like? It could look like you wake up in the morning and you say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm fully alive. And you say, Father, what are you doing today that I can't participate in? And as you go about your day, God is opening your eyes to people who need to hear the good news. And he gives you the boldness and the words to speak into their lives. It looks like where you see someone crying, that you can come alongside and comfort and bring peace to the heart. It looks like inviting your neighbor to come participate in the life of church with his people. All these ways we can live by his spirit and we can expect to see this new norm, his kingdom coming as we go about our day. And this is what Jesus modeled to us. Does anyone else want that? I want that. We believe that as we live by his spirit, we are going to see the lost saved here in Calgary. We're going to see the pews full of people who were once weeping, but who are now laughing because they've been filled with joy of the spirit. I know it is happening. I was at the Calgary Dream Center on Friday night at their Christmas banquet, and they were sharing stories of transformation. I know his kingdom is coming because people are being set free from addiction and are receiving brand new life. Amen? We should be excited about that. In this place today, if people are struggling with addiction and oppression, Jesus says, I have come to set you free. And that means today. And that means now. That means he's calling you into a new life. If you are here today and you've never experienced this life that Jesus has for you, don't leave without asking him to come in. You want this new norm. You want this life to be fully alive, fully in the way that God created us to be. And he's asking you, will you come follow me? Will you come on this adventure? Will you come and participate in life with me? He showed us 
what purpose our life has. This, is, this here is good news. It's the good news is we don't have to just sit as a standby and wait to the end of the story, right? He actually, this is what Jesus said. He said, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you. How did the Father send the Son? It says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that for God so loved the world that he sent his only Son so that none would perish but have access to eternal life. This is God's greatest desire that all men and all women would be reconciled into him and have a new relationship with him with no barriers. And he said, I am sending you just like the Father sent me. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I get really excited about this that God has invited us to participate in his kingdom coming and all men being reconciled to him. Isn't that exciting? Yes. It doesn't have to be an obligation. It doesn't have to be this big, scary word called evangelism where we're all like, oh, I don't think I have that gift of the spirit, so I get to, you know, let other people do that. (laughs) We all get to be his ambassadors. We all get to be in the ministry of reconciliation because it's a joy. We want to see everyone experiencing the full life that Christ has for us. It is such a joy and a privilege to be ministers and say, you know what? God isn't counting your sins against you, but he loves you and wants to be with you. That's why we talk so much here at First Assembly about being on mission together. Because that is our purpose, not only as individuals, but as a church. It's a good thing when we gather together. It's a good thing when we come like this morning where we can worship him together. We can encourage one another. We can equip one another. We can hear the word of God together. In order that we then are sent ones who go out and bring his kingdom wherever we set our feet. Isn't that amazing? Really? (laughs) I know I'm always pushing you guys to get more vocal, but we should be excited. (laughs) We should be excited. (laughs) Why should people want to come and be a part of the community of faith if we just are like, oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) You know, come sing some songs. Then we get to go have chicken, right? (laughs) No, it is an exciting adventure of life when we submit ourselves to the way Jesus lived, showing us by the power of his spirit what can happen and bringing his kingdom. Oh my gosh, we are truly alive. And at this Christmas time, we get to sing tidings of great joy. We get to go tell it on the mountain, right? All the songs that we're singing because it is good news that Jesus came fully human, walked with us, showed us how to live, and then his human body suffered and died for us. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his human body was raised from the dead, modeling 
for us that we too will experience resurrection. Isn't that amazing? We too get to experience resurrection. (laughs) This great mystery that Jesus was fully God and fully man gives us the biggest hope in the world (laughs) on what life looks like. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to prepare. The ushers will prepare. We're going to take communion together this morning. When we take communion, we take the cracker and the juice as representation of the body, the human body, and the human blood of Jesus and how it was broken on the cross for us so that we, too, can experience new life, new resurrection life. So as the emblems get passed around, I just want you guys to take some time to reflect and thank God for the gift of the humanity of Christ, (laughs) that he came to us in the form of a human baby, walked amongst us, showed us how to live, broken and died for us, and then was raised to life so that we could have new life. As the emblems are getting passed around, we're going to um, spend some time in worship and then we'll eat together.